Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. I always promise it, and it's always true. The buzz on the street today, ask me if I care. Tell me why I should care. Do you hear the word relevance rolling around somewhere in that? Let me get started. When deciding whether to take time to read your business's content, to trust you, and to become loyal to your brand, the people you want to open that wallet, that digital money, that real money, the prospects, the customers, they need more than just a catchy headline and a pretty picture. Why? Well, number one, they're busy. Number two, they're distracted. Number three, they are seeking relatable content to help them make a buying decision. On many of our Game Changers shows, you've heard that anywhere up to 74, I think of it, 74% of the buying journey is now done online before they even connect with a real person set foot in a real brick and mortar. They are looking and craving interesting information that'll tell them something about what they either already want or what you want them to think and believe they want. And guess what? They want you to teach them something new that has to be relevant, there's that R word, to their business needs, their business interests, or their lifestyle. And remember... Great content isn't the entire story. You need to get it in front of them. Think great SEO. So at the end of the day, if your buyers can't find you, your content simply doesn't matter. I think we're doing a little bit of a puzzle here going around in a circle. We're going to be talking today about king content and the rise of relevance. It is so important in this age of digital media, social selling, and customer centricity. So listen up. I have a great panel today. Let me just tell you who they are before we speak with them, and then I'll start introducing them with their opening quotes. First up, we're thrilled to have Reva Lasansky, co-founder and CEO of GrowBiz, that's one word, G-R-O-W-B-I-Z Media, and formerly the longtime editorial director of Entrepreneur Magazine. Really thrilled to have Reva on board. Joining her on the panel is Jessica Garrett, Vice President of Marketing for Veristore, V-E-R-I, capital S-T-O-R, one word. Happy to have her here, too, and looking forward to her words of wisdom and rounding at the panel. Well, who else would it be? It's Lorraine Maurice at SAP, our modern marketer extraordinaire. Lorraine is the sponsor of this series and she manages the editorial calendar and guest engagement. So now let me welcome Reva Lasansky officially and Reva has sent me a quote from George Bernard Shaw. Uh, this is, I'll intrigue all of you with where the quote came from. The serpent says the following words to Eve in Shaw's Back to Methuselah, Act 1, Selected Plays with Prefaces. 1949. And by the way, two points of trivia Reva may not know. John F. Kennedy quoted these words in June 1963 in his address to the Irish Parliament, and his brother Robert Kennedy used similar words in his 1968 presidential campaign theme. I wonder what the two of them would say about social media if they were alive today. Here is the quote. You see things and you say, why? But I dream things that never were, and I say, why not? Reva Lasansky, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today, Reva? I'm doing really well. How are you? 
I'm fine, thank you. We are so excited to have you on the show. You know, you and I sort of kind of met at a publicity summit in New York about five years ago. I think we were in the same part of the ballroom at the Penn Hotel, and I'm so glad to have this opportunity. So, Reva, tell me, George Bernard Shaw, great quote. And interestingly enough, the quote has been used in political campaigns and statesman ways, statesmanly ways by JFK. So tell me how you picked this quote, if you're a big fan of George Bernard Shaw's, and how does the quote relate to King content and the rise of relevance? Well, I picked the quote because I love reading quote books. I, I actually do that sometimes just for fun. And so I do like Shaw, um, though sometimes his message and mine don't agree. But I found the quote, um, I, most people think it's a Robert Kennedy quote um, mm-hmm. because, you know, he's given a lot of credit for it. But when I say it in a lot of speeches, I change it around a little to say most people see things and say why, while entrepreneurs dream things that never were and say why not. And that's how I think, you know, to me, entrepreneurs, it's all about the key to success in small business, whether you're trying to express that with content or whatever you're trying to do, is looking for the why not. If you, everybody's got the why. If you can find the why not, I think that that really is going to lead you to a path that's going to be successful. Very interesting interpretation, Reva. I appreciate that, and I love the insertion of the word entrepreneur. Going back to my opening, I said the buzz was, ask me if I care and tell me why I should care. So maybe if we flip that around, it's, you're telling me I should care. <laughs> well, I, I'm getting all confused. How would, you re, how would you reword what I said? Ask me if I care, tell me why I should care, tell me why I should not care. How does that work, Reva? Well, it, it, I think it's, it doesn't work in every, in every instance. It's about, but it works for entrepreneurs, right? It's yep. about why not. If you're sitting there and saying, should I start a business? Should I grow this? Should I do this? Should I? It's not about why you should. It's about why, you, why shouldn't you? You have to answer, is there a reason not to do this? If there's not a reason not to do it, then of course you should do it. And I think it's, it's a better way to approach things. It's not about why, why, because I want to make money. It's why not. It's, I think that, that makes it a little bit easier for people. It takes the, 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 the barriers away from them when they think, well, wait, there's no good reason not to, so I might as well do it. Thank you. Show me why I should not care. There we go. I think I have it nailed down. Thank you, Reva. Great quote. And now let's welcome our second panelist, Jessica Garrett, VP of Marketing for Veristore. Jessica sent us a quote from Tom Fishburne. Anybody wants to look him up, his last name is F-I-S-H-B-U-R-N-E. His company is Marketunist, as in cartoonist, marketunist. It's what's called a thought bubble of Tom Fishburne. I love that. A career marketing cartoonist. Tom started cartooning on the backs of business cases as a student at Harvard Business School. Well, doesn't everybody do that? While in various marketing roles at General Mills, Nestle, Method, and Hotel Tonight, he parodied the world of marketing in a weekly cartoon. His cartoons have grown by word of mouth to reach 100,000 business readers a week and have been featured in the Wall Street Journal 
Journal, Fast Company, Forbes, and the New York Times. And he soon realized cartoons are a remarkable form of shareable media. So what did he do? He launched Marketunist to help large and small businesses like Google, GE, Kronos, Montista, Rocket Fuel reach their audiences with cartoons. Very interesting. Here's the quote Jessica has selected from Tom Fishburne. Quote, the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. Jessica Garrett, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me. Are you a big fan of marketoonist extraordinaire Tom Fishburne? I am, actually. Uh, you know, he, he makes some really poignant um, points about marketing, and uh, this particular quote uh, is a big one for me. I think we're seeing these trends where no one really believes corporations anymore. Um, we believe our friends. We believe strangers when they post on Amazon or Yelp or, you know, other sites. But we don't necessarily believe your company's message. We don't believe it because it's self-centered. It presumes to know what I want. It doesn't ask me. It is very promotional. It's, you know, traditional marketing a lot of times is push, push, push. Get your product out and tell the world how great it is. Wrap it in features and benefits. You know, buy a list. And then what we find is that it still doesn't work. Um, There's entire industries that have been built around blocking your traditional advertising message. Customers have stopped answering their phones because they know that you bought their phone number. Uh, So I think this is, is, to me, a really big thing about where marketing is going and what the best marketers can do. You can remember this line, the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. And I think that's where cartoons come in, don't they, Jessica, where you're seeing an image. It's it's cute. It's cartoony. It's not a photo you're not asked to interpret. There's a message, some kind of a little blurb, maybe in a little cloud bubble, and it's supposed to catch your attention, be compelling, and you don't even realize you are being marketed to. Can I say it that way? Marketed to? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, what, they're, what he's doing in these cartoons is he's talking about a problem that we face. You see this. And you laugh. In fact, in this particular cartoon for this quote, um, it says there's a, there's a guy dressed in a hot dog suit at a party, and somebody's looking at him going, well, shouldn't this feel a little bit less promotional <laughs> when you're dressed in a hot dog suit? That's kind of the point about a, a cartoon. You're laughing because it's a problem you're totally identifying with because you've been on the receiving end of that stuff that's supposed to feel like it's editorial content and like pure advertising. Thank you very much. Getting away from purity into something that could be pure fun. And I have to tell you, Jessica, we do have fun here on Game Changers Radio. So we're very happy to have you. And I'm so glad you introduced me to Tom Fishburne. I appreciate that reference. And now let's welcome Lorraine Maurice, our modern marketer. And Lorraine has quoted Benjamin Franklin. Oh, my goodness, this is a classic. Uh, anybody wondering? It's debated whether he was born in 1705 or 1706, but he did live till 1790, one of the founding fathers fathers of the U.S. Talk about a renaissance man. He was a renowned polymath, a leading author, a printer, a political theorist, a politician, a Freemason, a postmaster, a scientist, inventor, civic activist, statesman, and diplomat. My goodness, and we'll just leave it there. Here is the wonderful quote Lorraine has selected from the vast lore of Benjamin Franklin. Either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about. Lorraine, how are you? I am great. How are you today? 
I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for selecting Jessica and Reva to join the panel. Uh, we've already heard some great thoughts from them. So tell me something. Are you a big fan of uh, Mr. Franklin, who is, ba- by the way, was titled the first American for his indefatigable campaigning for colonial unity and his poor Richard's Almanac as well. So are you a big follower of Mr. Franklin? I, you know, I am. I, I think that, you know, you know, they say history repeats itself, but I also think that from whether it's our founding fathers or others in, from that came before us, there's so much that we can learn. Um, there's so much strategy. There's so much thought. And as you were listing off all the things that Ben Franklin accomplished, it made me, I, I was giggling inside, like, wow, he was truly one of the first uh, multitaskers, one of the first small businesses <laughs> that had to do it all by himself. And, you know, he utilized each piece of the projects he was working on to, to build something bigger and something better. So um, I, I find it fascinating and, and relevant. It's fascinating what they did then and relevant to what we have to do today. And relevant is our keyword of the day, obviously. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Lorraine, any comments on the two quotes that preceded? Anything about Marketunist Tom Fishburne or about Reva's quote from George Bernard Shaw? Any, any uh, comments you'd like to make? No, I, I'm trying not to use the word relevant again. I'll have to get my thesaurus out. I think they're both, um, <laughs> I, th- I just think they're both spot on to what we're about to talk about. And that the fact that, what, and the quote that I, that I have, have submitted as well is it's what you say is truly important. It needs to be trustworthy. It needs to be um, insightful. And it needs to have meaning to somebody. And I think that all three of them bring that together. Thank you very much. And let's circle back to Reva Lasansky. Reva, this is our little getting to know you up close and personal segment of the show called What's in Your Cup today. So I'm going to ask you, Reva, where are you calling from approximately? We, we don't want to do a Google map on your roof. And what are you drinking today or what, what would you prefer to be drinking or what are you planning to drink after the show? Reva Lasansky. I am calling from Irvine, California, which is in Orange County, the OC for, I think, that dated TV show. (laughs) In my cup is what's usually in my cup during the course of the day, which is Diet Coke. I'm kind of a Diet Coke addict, so I don't drink coffee, so I start my day with one and I end my evening with one, so... And tell me, Reva, do you have a, a, you use it with ice? Do you like it room temperature right out of the fridge? Do you have a special cup or glass you love to drink it from? No, straight from the can with a straw, as cold as possible. That's what I like. There's our purist. Thank you, Reva. Jessica Garrett, (laughs) Jessica, where are you calling from and what's in your cup or what are you dreaming about drinking later? I am calling from Duluth, Georgia. And I am drinking a protein chocolate shake with peanut butter. Mm. How do you get the peanut butter in that? Do you blend it together? Or does it come in a, in a flavor packet and you just add, what, milk or water? I drive down to Smoothie King. That was such a perfect answer. I never would have dreamed that. Thank you. Is this a large? You know, when you go to Starbucks, you have small. What do you have? Tall is the small, and I don't know what they call the grande. I don't know what the sizes are. Did they have sizes for these smoothies? In case anybody's in the neighborhood, they do. It's 
they, what they call a small is what I would call a large, and it goes all the way up to what looks to me like about a bucket of popcorn-sized jar <laughs> or, or, you know, cup of smoothie. And I, I don't know who orders that, but, uh, yeah, I get the small. Okay, you can't even imagine how many straws go into that one to get it down to the bottom mm-hmm. of the last slurp. I'm just going to leave that one alone. Lorraine Maurice, where are you calling from today, and what are you drinking? I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, Reva, you should be down in my neck of the woods, home of, home of Coca-Cola, and uh, <laughs> I Diet Coke is, uh, is, is one of my addictions. However, today, I just uh, returned home late last night from uh, Barcelona, so uh, I decided to kind of keep in the spirit, so I'm drinking some fizzy water with lots of fruit in it. Um, later tonight, I'll change the fizzy water out and add some wine and uh, a little other sparkle and make some sangria. That sounds Ooh. good. Can I was I at a. <laughs> I think we're all going to come over, Lorraine. I was at a, a wedding at a camp, uh, actually a Jewish camp up near Stockbridge, Tanglewood, Massachusetts, over the weekend, and they were serving their version of sangria, which was let me see, it was white wine and triple sec and yes. fruit. And uh, I, I prefer the dark, the, the red. I prefer the, the uh, redder type of sangria. But I want to mention, as Lorraine knows, and Jessica and Riva don't know me, uh, they don't let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days today. Today is a doubleheader. I did a show at 10 a.m., and this is my second show here at 2. But while I was away, I went to Newport, Rhode Island for a couple days to make it into a real Labor Day vacation. Aha. Uh-huh. Not as fancy and not as exciting as Barcelona, Lorraine, but it still was beautiful being on the, at the seaport on the water. And I discovered something called blueberry beer. And what was interesting was not only did the beer have a slight hint of blueberry, but they actually put, I want to say live, they put real blueberries in the beer. So my friend ordered it. And when he was done with it, I after I had a sip, when he was down to the bottom, I fished out the blueberries and I had beer flavored blueberries. Does that appeal to anybody? <laughs> Quite yeah, an experience. Yeah, some of those too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was really, really good. So anyway. Anyway, that was my experience. But right now, uh, by by order of uh, the Game Changers gods, I'm only having Cool Clear water in a Cool Clear mug with a Cool Clear straw because that's what I get on radio show days. So we are having a wonderful conversation with Reva Lasansky, Jessica Garrett, Lorraine Maurice. Our topic today is very relevant, king content and the rise of relevance. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. And a rumor is circulating that Lorraine Maurice is planning to renew this series in 2017 and that she might even launch another brand new different theme series with me. So I can't wait. We'll have to have a drink together and muddle that one over, Lorraine. We're going to take a quick break right now so everybody can take a sip of something refreshing. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. 
Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. Indeed, we are back, and our topic today is King Content and the Rise of Relevance. Great panel today. We have Reva Lasansky, co-founder and CEO of GrowBiz Media. We have Jessica Garrett, VP of Marketing for Veristore, and we have our modern marketer extraordinaire, Lorraine Maurice at SAP. I don't think Lorraine ever gets tired of hearing modern marketer and extraordinaire in the same sentence. That's why I'm putting it on thick today, Lorraine. We're going to start our roundtable. We're going to start our roundtable with some notes, and I want to give a, a word Word of caution to our listeners. What you're about to hear in this roundtable is not it is our usual conversation, but there are so many good words of wisdom and advice and tips and strategies from our three panelists that I really want you to listen carefully, maybe even take notes or be sure to get the show when it's on demand so you can really dive in because Reva and Jessica and Lorraine are doing a really great job in, in explaining all of this to you. So I want you to listen up because this is really good stuff. I rarely introduce a roundtable like that, but I feel strongly about it today. So Reva told me the following in her note. She says, too many entrepreneurs are lagging in the mobile revolution, especially when it comes to email marketing, and it's going to cost them customers and market share. Reva, why don't you talk about this for about two minutes, and then we'll bring Jessica into this conversation to talk about your topic and Lorraine, and then we'll go pick a topic from Jessica. So Reva, go ahead, please. So I, my, my whole frustration is, is that typically entrepreneurs take the lead, where forward thinkers, early adapters, and that kind of thing, when it comes to mobile, everything, mobile marketing, putting your website on mobile, just mobile everything, entrepreneurs have kind of been lagging behind. Small business owners are not embracing mobility at the pace that consumers are. And so, therefore, you have frustrated consumers which means you're going to have no customers. And so that's the bottom line of it, particularly when it comes to email marketing, because email marketing is still the most effective kind of marketing. It's got about a, over a 4,000% ROI, 4,000%. So think about wow. that. And, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just enormous. And yet, most consumers today open emails on mobile devices. The number is just going higher and higher and higher every year. A survey taken a couple of months ago said it was 86% of emails uh, in this year, first quarter, were open on mobile devices. And despite that, only 17% of commercial emails are actually optimized for mobile, meaning only 17% look good when opened on a mobile device. And to make it all worse, 
72% of consumers, if, if an email doesn't look good on a, a mobile device, they'll just delete it. They don't care. They don't save it for later, for when they get to their desktop, they're like, whatever, bye. And so all the money that people are spending on email marketing is being wasted because consumers are just not reading it because you, you haven't taken the time to optimize for mobile. And it's so cheap and it's so easy. It's just really frustrating for me. Reva, before I invite Jessica to comment on this, and Lorraine, is it because they're lazy? Is it because they don't know how? It's because nobody told them? Is it because nobody ever said, hey, Bob, I got your email. What a piece of you-know-what. I had to delete it because I couldn't stand having to figure out how to read the thing. Why is it that they're not doing it? It sounds so easy, according to you, and so important. I think that that the the, the small business is lagging behind a little bit. You know, do they do email? Do they do social? And this is where my term modern marketer comes into play. And so, Riva, you're a perfect segue because it has to be a balance between the two, and they have to be integrated and work together. So I think that the answer to your question is we've got some small businesses that are doing email, but they're forgetting about the balance and being making sure that they're web optimized and they're mobile and that they have all of the things on the social digital side of the house in place at the same time. So they're, they're lagging behind and then they don't have the balance of being a modern marketer, which is that traditional, i.e. email, is still completely necessarily irrelevant to business, but at the same time, you need to have the digital and social aspects of being optimized, whether it's your phone, your mobile device, your website. And, and so that that's the thing. I feel like they, they're, they're caught in the middle, and it's got to be both, not one or the other. Got to be. Jessica Garrett, thoughts? Yeah, I think that one of the – you can bucket this into two. I know we talked about emails. But if you think about a website, it is amazing to me how many people still don't have mobile responsive website design. And it is so easy to do nowadays with all the WordPress kind of sites out there. Um, Huffington Post did an article saying that 50, 57% of mobile users will abandon your website if it takes more than three seconds to load. Mm. Three seconds. And I actually think that number is probably even lower. And where this becomes really important is in your content development. So as you're looking to embed videos, put other kinds of content onto your website, then you must, must develop your content and your website both with a mobile-first strategy. Right. Thank you, Jessica. Reva, you want to chime in on this briefly before I move to a topic in Jessica's list so we can move on quickly? Yeah, I mean, this is, it's Jessica's exactly right. It's not just email, it's your content. One of the things, everything needs to be in one column format. That's the most easiest thing to remember. No columns, because you can't read columns on a phone. You just can't. So one column format, whether it's content or email or anything you do, everything has to be optimized for mobile. Do you think that they just don't know how to do it or they're lazy, Reva? Any thoughts on that? Why it's a problem? I don't think they're lazy. I think they just don't know. And I think that one of the things that small business owners need to understand more often is think about your life as a consumer and what bugs you. Like when you open an email that you can't read and think about you're just like your customers and they're bugged also. I think people just don't know it. They're just not aware of it because it's so cheap and easy to fix. And I just say everybody listening today, 
Call your web designer. Call your web host. We changed our site to mobile for less than five hundred dollars. It's cheap. It's easy. Wow, wow, wow. I told everybody we'd be getting good advice here and good strategies. Thank you, Reva and Jessica and Lorraine. All right, Jessica, I'm looking at your notes here. Let's talk about how to make that content relevant. I'll read just a little bit and then have you chime in and expand it. You say, know thy customers. Start with the problem. You must do the work first in writing down who your customers are and why they should buy from you and do it without mentioning your product name or a product type. Tell us more, Jessica. Jessica, this is great stuff. Yeah, I think that this is kind of what I was talking about a little bit in the beginning when I talked about the push, push, push for traditional marketing. You know, everything is very me-focused. Um, and, and I think that we're wasting time when we do that. Uh, we, we, we think that we know our customers and we have it all in our head, and we don't take the time to actually sit down and write it out. And everybody is a marketer now. So... If you were going to go out and try to fix your car, you would probably go and read about how you should do that. And the same thing comes to when you're doing marketing. If you're going to dive in on writing uh, content, on writing a website, on writing a blog, take some time to figure out how do you do this from the experts. Mm-hmm. It's a great book by Ardath Aldi called Digital Relevance, and she talks about this. Understanding who your customers are allows you to really speak to the problem that they're facing, not about you. It's so common to say, well, I'm so great. Look at my product. Isn't my product awesome? And that is not what somebody is going to want to hear, and it is not the search terms they're going to go use when, you, when they go to Google uh, to go find the solution to the problem that they have that maybe you could sell them. Great advice. I'd love to have Lorraine chime in on this. Lorraine, I know you have a POV. Talk to us. Agree, disagree? Oh, no, I agree. It is really all about your audience and knowing your audience. Um, you know, there's a kind of a joke that goes around, you know, it's all about me, but it really isn't. It's all about your customer. And at the end of the day, they're not looking for the widget. They're looking to solve a problem. And they're looking to make something better, more efficient, be profitable. And if you're not addressing as their need, because it's really all about them and not about you, then you've missed the boat. And it goes back to, the, to, to my quote, it, it becomes a waste of time of your time, you know, the person writing it and the person receiving it because it's not, um, it's not relevant and it doesn't have any, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. So in order to make sure that you're hitting the mark, especially in this buyer's journey where all of this, you know, there's different quotes from different sources, but 67 plus percent, whether it's IDC or serious decisions um, or Forrester, you know, plus is, of information is being sourced online, that that means there's content. And if the content isn't relevant to the audience in the way they want to search for materials and meet their needs, then um, you've done a lot of work for nothing. Thank you. Reva Lasansky, love to get your two cents on this. What do you think? I, I agree. I, I'm, I think it's, it's unanimous here. I think that it all comes back to the old cliche of people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And there's no better way to get a consumer to know, like, and trust you than with content that informs them and doesn't sell to them. If you can make them smarter, more informed, just more educated about a certain topic, they're going to remember you and be grateful to you 
for helping them do that without really trying to sell them something. So when it's time for them to make a purchase, you're going to be top of mind because you've invested in them. You've invested in them. And we're going back to, I think I said in the opening, customer-centric. It's consumer-centric. It's about them. Damn it, it's not about you. Okay, I like that. Uh, Jessica Garrett, I'm going to circle back to you. Anything you want to say to wrap this one up before I move on to some topics from Lorraine? Yeah, I'll say that this, this, sound, this sounds so complicated. When I sit with some small business folks and I, and I just kind of uh, walk them through how to do this, a lot of them, their eyes roll back in the head and they kind of go, oh, God, how do I break this down simply? And I think one of the ways that you do that is you, is you go back to imagine as if you're an editorial. Think of this as an editorial plan. Think of this from an editorial perspective. Get simple because you want to write pure content. And when you think about newspapers or uh, news outlets and how they write, you want to write kind of like that. Borrow from those principles because it will help you steer away from the salesy or the me too kind of messages that we really don't want to. And I think the second thing I'll say is this can be simple. It, it, it seems very overwhelming. There are a lot of blogs out there, a lot of really smart people mm-hmm. who help break this down. Uh, I mentioned one, Ardath Albi, but there's a ton of them. Get out there, follow these guys, read some blogs, read some of the articles. They've got great websites and books, and you really will be able to, to do this and not make this you know, a, a, a miss for you or something that you, it's just too big for you to handle. Thank you. And I did look up Ardeth Albee. I'm always curious when I hear names. I don't know. A-R-D-A-T-H-A-L-B-E-E. Uh, she's CEO and B2B marketing strategist. Her consulting firm is Marketing Interactions, blah, 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 20 years of business management. Yes, she's written a couple of books. Very interesting. Thank you for the reference. And now let's go to Lorraine. I'm looking at your notes here, some interesting stuff. Let's talk about social media. I don't know if it's the elephant in the room, but it's certainly something we cannot ignore. Marketers cannot be not in the social media realm. They cannot be not doing social selling. We've talked about that on this show, Lorraine, and on our, I'll call it our sister series, uh, Social Selling with Game Changers, which is uh, sponsored by Kirsten Boyleau at SAP. And here's something interesting you said to me before the show, Lorraine. You say, in social media, you should follow the 70-20-10 rule. 70% of your posts should add value and build the brand. Okay, 20% should be content curated from other sources, and 10% should be promotional. Why don't you break this out for us and tell us more, Lorraine? Well, um, at the end of the day, you, you, we talk about trust and we talk about significance. You really want to, to say something that is interesting to your audience. And so when you talk about the 70%, it, that's really about being, you know, intent providing um, content that is relevant and intense. I'm trying not to use that word relevant, and it's messing me up here. So it's got to be significant <laughs> to you. Sorry about that. You've got to be significant to your audience, and it really needs to be telling a story. And it really is about the story of the solution that you're offering. Again, not about the product, but about how you're solving that problem. And that 20% of using others, it's just like this radio show. I bringing, you know, we're bringing more significance and trust and authenticity to our, our listenership because we have experts on the phone that offer additional value. So even though you're putting out the story, 
when you have others that can, can confirm your story in an authoritative way that is truly, um, again, honest and, and authentic, then it, when the person is doing research in the buyer's journey, it makes it happen. And the promotion is really you have to be out there. You have to have a brand. You have to get it out there. So the, the strategy really is um, to, to, to keep it in point with the person you're speaking with. And that's not always easy, um, but it's important. You need to know your value proposition to the audience that you're speaking with, how your story is significant to that audience, and then you need to take the 70, you know, 2010 rolling and then create your content strategy based on that, finding, you know, what's important to them, finding your subject matter experts that confirm what you're telling them, and then finally making sure that they can find you. And that's the promotional part, right? Doing your search engine optimization, um, writing your blogs, and, and being where you're supposed to be. Thank you, Lorraine. I'm going to ask Reva, and then I'll ask Jessica. Do you agree with that breakdown Lorraine has, 70-20-10? Reva Lasansky, what's your thought on that formula? I do in general, but I'm also, I don't like rules. I don't like <laughs> formulas because I think when small business owners hear that, they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't do that, so they don't do anything at all. So I think the important thing to do is look at what Lorraine is saying and do most of your stuff needs to be this, some of your stuff needs to be that, and a fewer needs to be promotional. And I think it makes it a little bit more accessible to a business owner. The problem with social media is it's become a necessity, and most small businesses are not equipped. They don't have the staff. They don't even know that they need policies, that they need to, that they can, don't assign it to an intern, so many of them do that, that the whole thing becomes overwhelming. They think, oh, everybody's on Facebook, so I'll go to Facebook. Maybe your customers aren't on Facebook. So I think it, mm-hmm. it comes down to basics, and once you develop it, I think that Lorraine's formula is exactly right. But if you're just sort of becoming familiar with it, just sort of understand the breakdown, most, some, a few, and, and, start, and start doing your social media messaging that way. Thank you, Reva. Jessica Garrett, yeah. you like the 70-20-10 rule. What are your thoughts? I think you have to start with the buyer journey and I think you have to understand understand understanding who your customers are where they where they are if you have have two or three different distinct set of customers that you're chasing maybe there's uh, direct buyers maybe there's um, franchise owners let's just say and they're they're two different sets of people they may not be on the same channels but they're also not going to click on the same stuff so if you're using your personal account one um, you know, you need to think about, are you going to blast everything out there through one channel? How are you going to target it if you do? So you have multiple accounts then that are targeted. What are your clicks? What, what is your next? What's your so what? What are, what are you going to ask people to do next when you do a post? Because simply posting isn't the end goal. That's just kind of throwing it out there. But what's mm-hmm. the follow-through? Is there something for them to do from there? And if you're approaching it from the editorial perspective, understanding who your customers are, your content's going to be right, whether you exactly hold to a 70-20-10 rule or not. 
Thank you, Jessica. Uh, Lorraine, I'll let you do a quick wrap-up on this one before I move back to Reva. I have some topics from of her list that I'd like to bring up next. So, Lorraine, anything about 70-20-10? Are you, are you holding fast to that rule, Lorraine Maurice? <laughs> You know what, I am. So I appreciate what, what both ladies says and what Reva says because I'm, I'm not a rule follower, so I'm right there with you. But what I find with the small businesses that I deal with is they need a prescriptive approach. And so it may have sounded stark and harsh the way it came across, but really what it's supposed to do is provide them with a roadmap and a prescription on how to get it going. And sometimes small businesses need that kind of kick to get started, and, and that's that was the intent of the formula. Thank you, Lorraine. And Reva, I'm circling around the table to you and so many good pieces of information here, but let's talk about millennials, the M word. You say millennials are having an impact on many industries right now. If you are a retailer, you need to be targeting this huge generation and it can't be business as usual. Reva, tell us more, please. So millennials, just so everybody knows, because everybody gives it a different debt. Definition: The U.S. Census Bureau has defined millennial generation or people who were born between 1982 and 2000. So if you were born in 1982, right, you're in your 30s. If you were born in 2000, you're 16 years old. So it's a, it's a really big gap. So let's concentrate on the, the, the part of the market, the one people in their late 20s and their 30s. These millennials are... Now coming into, they're getting married, they're having babies, they're buying houses, which means everybody knows when you have a baby, those are the people who spend the most money in America. Those are really great targets for business owners um, to, to, to target as, as customers. And, but millennials don't, they don't want to be sold to. It's more about... Again, they like doing business with people they trust, people they feel are authentic. And they're really, really important to them is that the companies they do business with have some kind of social conscience, whether it's the environment, whether it's some other social issue. They want to feel like they're giving their money to companies that care, that give a damn in in other words, that care about the planet, society, whatever that is. And so if you are marketing to this, this, and they're the biggest generation ever in America. There are 83 million of them. So if you are marketing to this huge market, you have to make sure that you are authentic and transparent and that you have some aspect of social good to what you're doing. Thank you, Reva. Loved, and, and I really appreciate the definition. I think that's the one we typically use on our shows, born between 1982 and 2000. And it is vast. And there are so many segments and so many economic needs and preferences and lifestyles in that big a group. Certainly is big. So, uh, yeah, the fact that some of them are in their mid-30s by now is just blows my mind because you think of millennials <laughs> as the ones who are just starting their job and they want their own exactly. cubicle and they don't want to work a full day and they want to work from home. Oh, I want that too. I'm what's called I'm what's called a senior millennial. I think I've established that already. So yes, with grace and with grace and uh, self knowledge here, Jessica Garrett, love to have your thoughts on marketing to millennials. What do you think? I think the first thing you have to do is understand if you should be marketing to millennials. Um, uh, mm. There are distinct groups for a reason. Not everybody. Not, a millennial is not going to be great to target for every single business out there. So the first thing, you know, and it kind of goes back to know thy customers. 
you know, make sure that you know that you should be targeting to them. And I think one of the trends that we're seeing in terms of content marketing for millennials, they want it fast, meaning you, we talked about responsive website designs. We talked about content. Uh, we're seeing increasing trends where people don't want gated content. They are really not going to give you a lot of information. Don't bury your stuff. Keep it easy. Keep it, keep it fast. Um, and and I, th- I think that you'll find that it, your content actually works a lot harder for you that way. Interesting. Good perspective. Lorraine, what do you think? Millennials. I think millennials, and this, this could get me in trouble uh, the way I say it, but I think that they're an entitled group. And the reason I say that is because everything has been more instantaneous to them. They don't have to wait for a hot horse and a postman to drop their mail off, not that we did either. But it's right there at their fingertips since they've basically grown up. And because of that, I then go back to things that I think that Jessica made two good points. It's, it's that they want it immediately, but also um, some of them, you know, it, they're not always the right audience. So knowing your knowing your audience is key. I also think that a lot of millennials tend to, to be industry and category leaders. So sometimes they're not as consistent in their choices of a, a social media vehicle. They'll move from a Facebook to Snapchat in, in a blink of an eye to get information. And sometimes, how, well, I should say not sometimes, but then how do you adjust to, to their adjustments? So I think that they continue to be a valuable audience, a very technology-driven audience, but I also and, and an important audience because they are very much into consumables, and that fine line between B2B and B2C is really no longer there. It's just one B2C category. Um, so I, I think that you have to recognize um, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and when they're doing it, and be ready for that with your content. But it goes back to, again, that word audience and the word relevance. Thank you, Lorraine. Reva, forgive me. I'm not going to circle back to you on this because I want to pick up two important topics from Jessica's list. We're about, ooh, four minutes away from our predictions crystal ball round, so I'm just going to dive right in here. Jessica, two things in your notes. You say content metrics matter, the holy grail of content marketing is when you get backlinks, and then you add conversion metrics are key. In my world now, quoting Jessica Garrett, conversion metrics are hot. Can you just quickly give us a little one-on-one on content metrics and conversion metrics, Jessica? Sure. So I think one of the things about content is, is you know, some people will look at views and clicks. Um, you know, so many people viewed my email or clicked on my email. And I think what you have to do is actually look at each individual content piece, the metrics on those, to really understand uh, if your content, if you're writing the right stuff, if you're going to spend the time Getting this content out there, uh, if you're all managing probably your, your multiple channels through LinkedIn, Facebook, email newsletters, you know, webinars, who knows, all the platforms, make sure your content is actually working for you. And so there's, there's a lot of tools that can help to do that. You can always use the basics like a Google Analytics. Um, but then there's other things, you know, Converge SEO. There's, there's a bunch of them that will help tell you uh, whether you're getting the right kind of backlinks um, as well as other conversion, met- excuse me, as well as other content metrics, which kind of goes to conversion metrics. So all of this, the entire purpose is revenue growth, right? No matter whether you say you're, 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 
goal is brand awareness, whether it's direct sales, whether it's something in the middle, uh, you have to know how you're converting to what that goal is. And you, you really should know what your metrics are. Um, you know, mine has to do with what are called marketing qualified leads. Basically, I need to hand over a lead to the sales team to follow up, but it's got to be a qualified lead. So for me, I need to know what those conversion metrics really are. I need to live them. I need to breathe them. I need to look at everything that I do through the lens of those conversion metrics. Thank you very much. It's about that funnel. You know, conversion metrics are stages within the funnel, right, and kind of keeping them through there. Thank you, Jessica. And that brings us Mm -hmm. up to just the tip of our crystal ball predictions round. I think I can give you each about 90 seconds instead of 60 if we start now. So, Reva Lasansky, why don't you look into the crystal ball and tell us what do you see at what point in the future? I still love Barbara Walters 2020. That's still my favorite year. And it's hurtling at us very, very quickly. It won't even be the future soon. It'll be what? We did it already. Reva, I'd love to have you tell us how far in the future you can see what will be different about King content and the rise of relevance. Reva Lasansky, 90 seconds, go. I don't think there'll be anything different about relevance because the whole key to marketing is to market the, the right stuff to the right people. So it's all about relevance. It always has been and it always will be. Will content be important as part of that? Maybe. Things change so fast today with technology. One thing we do know is that people are leaving behind in terms of their desktops and laptops and more and more consumption of content is on mobile devices. And so it goes back to what I said before. There's a mobile revolution going on, and you better join it because by 2020 it's going to be fully underway and everybody will be participating, but the the biggest key is you've got to keep your eyes open because trends happen so fast these days. You know, four years ago, we didn't even know what Snapchat was. Now marketers are are marketing on Snapchat. Instagram is the fastest growing social network. And so you've got to, it's about being, it's about being an entrepreneur, being a small business owner, and being able to turn on a dime as the market turns. And you've got to be prepared and flexible because flexibility is going to be the key. Flexibility. Great. Thank you so much, Reva and Jessica Garrett at Veristore. Happy to give you 90 seconds as well. What do you see in the future and how far can you see? <laughs> I don't know how far I can see, but I think what we're going to see over the next you know, year, if we just kind of look there, I think you're going to see an increasing trend where people avoid crappy content. I think the listen how great I am, the sensationalist headlines, those blast approaches, I think that's going to work less and less. We think stuff has a 1% return rate now. I think you're going to see that drop. I think you're going to see more targeted content. I think um, there's going to be a swing to more personalized stuff where it's targeted down to individual preferences and interests. I think you're going to see more tech content uh, become mainstream. Uh, I think content can be anything, right? It's any informational piece. And I think you're going to see things like more video. You're going to see more live streaming, virtual reality. Uh, so I think we're going to see more tech content. And I think we're going to see more diving into the science of marketing, taking it beyond just the creation, but really getting smart about the promotion and distribution strategy and leveraging all these tools out there now. I just saw something with a company today, uh, one of the Atlanta best places to work, and um, they're now doing marketing automation for small e-commerce companies. 
uh, and they're handling it for them. I mean, they're taking marketing automation, uh, you know, and making it doable for small companies, and that hasn't been done before. And so I think you're going to see that more diving into that, what I call the science of marketing. I like that. I don't think we uh, we use the word science with marketing very often. I like the concept. Lorraine, there's another show for you. Lorraine, that Lorraine. Is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we pick up all kinds of content clues here. Thank you, Jessica, for that. And mm-hmm. let's turn to Lorraine. Lorraine, I've got about 90 seconds for you as well. Great. Um, it has been almost two decades since Bill Gates kind of coined the phrase, content is king. And I think over that time, uh, it, it's almost been misunderstood. But what he was referencing is the fact that the interweb and all of Google and all of the things that were happening were going to make relevant the need for more content and a different type of content. So if I look in the crystal ball, I, I, I do think that some words that uh, Reva and Jessica both use are, are still are very important, and that's flexibility and, and knowing uh, your audience because content marketing has really never been easier. Anybody of any size can do it. And that's going to continue as we move forward. And it may be a little different. And think about, you know, your mobile mobile device. It, it could be photos. It could be video clips. It could be emojis uh, sharing the content. It, it's just, uh, it could be anything. But the, the goodness in content is that anybody can do it. And there is no perfect scenario. You can still be authentic and know who you're speaking to um, to make a difference. And, and to make it important um, and to make it stick. And that's really what it is. It's about being remembered. And if you do it, um, if you do it right, I just said it wasn't, there wasn't a formula, but if you do it right, which means knowing your audience and getting them the message where they're looking for it, you'll be golden. Thank you, Lorraine. And it was said by Bill Gates in January 1996. He wrote an essay titled Content is King, published on the Microsoft website. And he starts out by saying, Content is where I expect much of the real money will be made on the Internet, just as it was in broadcasting. And the essay continues, and I quote, One of the exciting things about the Internet is that anyone with a PC and a modem can publish whatever content they can create. Isn't that really cool? Content marketing online has never been easier. Everybody's doing it. Interesting, interesting. I found this article on Silkstream, S-I-L-K-Stream.net. It's a blog. You just look up Content is King, Bill Gates, 1996, and you will find it. So I think we're just about at the end of our time together. I know in, uh, you're not supposed to say that when you're doing stand-up comedy. Well, that's my time, but it actually is absolutely true. So I want to do uh, Riva Lasansky one-sentence words of advice to our Think Big Work small entrepreneurs on content. Content marketing. One sentence, Reva, just close for me, okay? Content, content is so important, you have to embrace it. Thank you. Jessica Garrett, one sentence. Well, you caught me kind of uh, on the fly here. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> That's okay. Lorraine, you have one closing sentence because I'm ready to give my call to action. Sorry about that, Jessica. Lorraine, anything? Like Nike, like Nike just do it. Just do it. All right. We're going to give that to both you and, and Jessica. Thank you. Reva Lasansky, such a pleasure. Jessica Garrett, also a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you for sharing great words of wisdom and insights. Lorraine, what can I say? Come back soon. Always your series. Shout out to Michael and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Maybe there's a marketing message written on it. Who knows? What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.